Hey guys, before we start the show, I wanted to take a second and tell you about an amazing opportunity called SocialX. SocialX is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world. They teach entrepreneurs how to grow from zero to six figures. Their weekly mastermind calls feature top business experts and entrepreneurs from various industries. They offer online courses as well as various events all over the country. If you're interested, DM Justin Caballero on Instagram at JCAB. Welcome to the Venture Mentality Podcast. We're bringing you the insights and interviews from top entrepreneurs and high performers on how to reach your goals and overcome your challenges. Hosted by 18-year-old high school student and entrepreneur, Jacob O'Connor. Now, let's get right into the show. Hey, what's up, guys? You're listening to the Venture Mentality Podcast, and I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today joining us, we have the famous YouTuber with over 1 million subscribers and car enthusiast known as JR Garage joining us. What's up, Jeff? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm terrific. Thanks for coming on, man. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. That, sound, that sounds weird uh, Weird uh, hearing, you know, 1 million subscribers because we just hit a couple days ago. So uh, you're the first person to introduce it like that. So I think that's awesome. Thanks so much for that, uh, uh, you know, acknowledging that big 1 million. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a big accomplishment. So I was, I was hoping we could start off like we usually do, if you could kind of bring the audience up with who you are and offer a little bit of background of what you've done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a quick little rundown. Um, my name is Jeff from JR Garage. A lot of you guys probably know me from that YouTube channel where we, my brother and I, whenever I say we, it's my brother and I, I wish he could join us here today, but he's at the warehouse repairing some cars, you know, like always, what's new, always things breaking on the cars. But um, a lot of people may know us from that YouTube channel. We started a few years back. It's just something fun to do. And uh, little did we know it, it blew up into something huge. Like we said, it just crossed over a million subscribers. So it's really taken off beyond our wildest dreams. So in addition, in addition to our passion for cars, we also have a passion for old, uh, the field of numismatics. If people know what that is, it's basically uh, old coins and currency, you know, monetary items from way, way, way back in the day. So incorporating history, and uh, these precious metals at times, gold, silver, tangible investments. Uh, we've been doing that business. We buy and sell those for the past like 10 years. So that helps pay for the cars and as well as all sorts of other entrepreneurial ventures for the past 10 years. And here we are today. Yeah, you've got, you've got a great page going for you. And I was hoping that you could kind of um, bring us back with how you got started with that. Like what, what made you want to do that? Yeah. Oh boy. People are always wondering, you know, how that starts. So I, I think from like literally like day one, like five years old, like we've always been hustling as like little entrepreneurs, always looking for a way to make some money and just, um, you know, get, get really doing something with our life at a really early age. I know people are like, Oh, five, six years old, you should be go playing baseball with your friends. And like, yeah, we were doing that. But whenever we had free time, we were always looking for the next way to make money. So, um, of course people often, a lot of people know that we started with like a lemonade stand, like what other, that's a great way to start your first little venture with a little lemonade stand. But uh, ours was like a lemonade stand on steroids. I mean, we had like burgers, all these kind of things, hot dogs, drinks, ice cream, blah, 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 blah. So uh, we did that for a few years and that taught us a lot about business and that got us our first little taste at entrepreneurship. And then we got shut down because we were getting way too big. So the county shut us down. So that's kind of funny. And then the next year we weren't out selling uh, candy on the side of the street. It was coins, currency, these old collectibles because about 10 years ago, our aunt, if you don't know how it started, she gave us these old um, pennies, like these Indian head pennies, what they call them. They're, they made them from 1859 to 1909. And um, we thought it was so cool. They're, they're worth like a buck a piece, common dates. But she gave us each one of them. We're like, whoa, this is awesome. So 
after that, we went to our first coin show a couple months later, bought $50 worth of coins because that's all we had. And then we flipped that 50 bucks on coins uh, for like 100, 150 bucks online. And that's really the start of it when we realized there was money to be made in the industry. That's awesome. Um, you said earlier that, you know, you found a passion for cars and I think a lot of people are kind of struggling to find their passion. And so one of the big things I like to do with the show is kind of break it into actionable steps to find what you're passionate about and take action on things. So how did you end up finding out that you were passionate about cars? Oh, cars, cars is definitely an easy one. I mean, just like from a super young age, as long as I can remember, um, just seeing and hearing cars was like, it just made my eyes lit up. Anytime we'd go out and Oh, you know, there's a Corvette or, Oh, there's a Ferrari. If you get really lucky or, you know, any, any, any sort of car like that, we just got really excited. Um, and one part in particular, one moment that I'll like never forget, um, kind of like a family friend friend, uh, has a, a few cars in his garage. And one of them was a Ferrari 348, like 1991, maybe. Um, so anyway, we were there for a little, I think it was like 4th of July, like when I was six years old. So anyway, there it was. And I remember seeing that car and he's like, Oh, go sit in it, go sit in it. So I was like, no way. So I got to sit in that Ferrari, my first time ever sitting in a car like that. I remember just holding the steering wheel and looking at that yellow prancing horse. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like one day I will own one of these. So like, that's where the big passion for cars, it, it was always rooted deep inside us, but um, really seeing these cars in person and some really nice owners coming about, letting us like sit in them or see them or interact with them really like motivate us and got the fire started uh, inside of us to one day ourselves own these cars. And um, so that's kind of how passion started and then it just evolved into something crazy when we bought our first car and we never looked back since then. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that. That's awesome. And why YouTube though? Like, because I know that you've got the passion for cars and there's so many other routes you could have taken, but you chose to put it on YouTube and that's um, brought you a lot of success. Yeah. 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 It's, it's been a wild ride the past, uh, let's see, we, first video we'd ever post on YouTube, I think went up like February, mid-February 2016. And people don't really realize this, but it took almost two months to get our first subscriber. One subscriber, almost two months. The first 10 were my friends and grandma and all that kind of stuff. The first real subscriber actually came like uh, the day after my birthday or on my birthday. So I was so excited. I got the email saying like, it was like, you know, Raptor one, two, three or something like subscribe to your channel. And I was like, Holy crap, this is insane. So like I, I, I have a picture with me holding the iPad with my first subscriber somewhere in my camera roll and it was uh, an awesome feeling. I remember that day. So that's when I got the first subscriber and then um, it, uh, a couple months after that we got a thousand and then it, of course it blew up and we we're 100, 200,000 pretty quick. But we started it really just to share, obviously share our passion for cars. Um, but we had, we had had some cool cars before, you know, many years before the YouTube channel. And like, that's an important note. People think that like we just popped up out of nowhere on YouTube and then started buying all these cars. And, but really it, it was the years and years and years of hard work to get some of the cars to start the YouTube channel. And then from there, when it really took off, we started to buy some additional cars, but had we not started those businesses 10 years ago, we wouldn't have the cars. Um, but yeah, it was just an outlet to share our passion and to really inspire others because I, I was inspired when I was younger watching YouTube videos of like buying a Lamborghini, like all these OG YouTubers, I remember their videos and thinking, wow, that's awesome. One day I want to make YouTube videos. So that's how it started. Mm -hmm. And to provide a little bit of context, how old were you when you made your first YouTube video and how old are you now? Yeah. Okay. I was so early 2016. So I was 16. 
yeah, I was 16 when I first posted a YouTube video. And then it all blew up when I was 17, like at 17, buying a Ferrari at 17, all that, all that stuff. Um, and then right now I'm 20, turned 20, you know, whatever, earlier this year. So, yeah. So you said that um, you had a couple of cars before you actually made the YouTube channel and you said that you fundraised those, like you, you um, did different things to make money to buy those cars. Right, so right, what, right. what is it that you did? Yeah, yeah, cars were such a big motivation for us to work even harder in business because we wanted those cars. So we work harder and harder and harder. Um, so the first car came about, uh, it, was, it was 2012. I was 13, Christian, my brother was 15. We couldn't even drive yet. Yet here we are buying our first car, 1986 Porsche 944 Turbo. Now everybody thinks, oh my gosh, red Porsche, this must be so expensive. Like, we bought that car for 4,300 bucks and then we ended up selling the wheels off of it for $2,300 and then we put on um, phone dial wheels, which were only 300. So we were in the car 2,300 bucks as a first car. Like that's so little, but it looks like the car's worth way more than that and you hear Porsche. So that was the first car um, and then it really got us hooked on cars. It taught Christian a bunch about working on cars. You know, we had, to, we had to wrench on it and really get it going and fix it up a little bit, but it was in pretty good shape overall. That car we ended up selling for $9,000 a couple of years ago. So it goes to show any car we buy, it's the purpose is yeah, to have fun, make a, have a good time, make YouTube videos, but also in the end, ultimately to sell it for a profit. Um, so that's, uh, that's always the big thing. Got to be making money on a car. And that goes for anything. Anything we buy, we are making money on uh, literally everything except for, okay, food and clothes and things like that. But even that, we limit our uh, spending. I think that's huge. People love spending just crazy amounts of money these days on stupid things. And uh, that, that can really get you into trouble. Every From day one, we were just reinvesting every dollar we made back into the business, again, to be able to get more cars down the line. So that was kind of motivation there. So your business model is kind of like almost like real estate, like you're going in and flipping a house, but instead you're flipping a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The car side, um, yeah, exactly. Kind of like real estate. We go in, we oftentimes like distressed cars okay distressed for closed houses almost the same deal with cars lately because if you know what you're doing you can get them for a little bit cheaper fix them up my brother's luckily really mechanically gifted i mean i know some things but he's the one who can tear a car apart and put it back together um so that's proven pretty successful we've had we've had quite a, quite a few good flips our first ferrari made a profit on that uh the the First Porsche, we made a bunch of money on. The second Porsche, we made a bunch of money on. The third Porsche, we made double our money on. Paid seven, sold it for fourteen. Uh, so yeah, there's there's good money to be made in cars, and then the same goes with the coins. Uh, so coins, currency, all the old collectibles. When we buy something, flip it in the end to make money. Love that. Simple enough. And a lot of our audience is uh, young entrepreneurs. You know, like the sixteen to twenty-five kind of age range. So just for anyone who's wondering, what was it like being in high school and running this successful business and driving these nice cars and kind of living the different lifestyle than you'd typically see? Yeah, very interesting question because not many people at school knew what we were up to. Until the YouTube channel started, no one really had any idea what we were doing. Um, they had no idea every day after school, I was leaving and going home to work for seven hours until mail you know, collected at, uh, at the, this post office. We always dropped things off at the post office uh, that was a little bit further away because they had, uh, they, they closed the latest so we could pack in the most amount of time instead of dropping off at 5 PM when most mail closes, this one was like eight o'clock or nine. So we got a bunch more hours out of that. Um, okay. Back to the question. So, uh, not many people knew, but as the YouTube channel started to get there, a lot of people found out, but, um, life was, it was really the same. Like I was, I was a normal student. I got really good grades, just did all the same things. It's just people didn't really know about this business uh, aspect side of it. 
some of my teachers later on, like senior year, they started, I, I told them because I could easily open up to them. But otherwise, we were very like reserved and just security aspect. And just we're not the kids that try to flex on how much money we make or the cars. There's a reason I walked to school every day. No one knew that I had, we had, you know, Lamborghini, Ferrari, all these other cars. Um, uh, but but yeah, the teachers I could trust, I talked to them. And it, it was fun, you know, just telling them what we were up to. And they were always checking in on us. I had some great teachers. So um, yeah, life was pretty normal because Did nobody knew. Did did you know that, um, like, did you see when you first flipped your first car, it turning into something like this? Or were you kind of thinking this is like a side hustle? This is something small that I can do? Hmm, good question. Um, we thought, we definitely saw it growing. You know, when we bought our first Porsche, we still wanted that Ferrari. We still wanted that Lamborghini. So the model we applied to the first car of, you know, buying it cheap and <laughs> selling it for more, uh, applied for all the other cars. So we knew one day we'd be getting some exotics. It's just that's a lot of money you got to be spending. And we, in our minds, we were like, okay, if we're going to be spending that money, we have to be making like so much more. People think you can make $200,000 in a year and oh, I'm making 200K now. I can go out and buy a you know, $100,000 Lamborghini. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Like we treated ourselves buying the Dodge Viper, our first big purchase in the end of 2015, because 2015 was a pretty crazy year and we grossed well, 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 well over a million dollars. So go make over a million dollars and then buy yourself a $30,000 Viper. Like that's the ratios. Like we, we want to have a huge buffer space in there where we don't have, we don't even have to think like, Oh, like, can I afford this? We always want to play it super safe. Um, yeah, exactly. I think it is safe. I think it is important to play it safe as you do too, but at the same time you have to take risks. So what are some risks that maybe like you took and they could have paid off or maybe they didn't, but you know, it's just important to discuss the risk while you're doing this too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Risks are always good to take, but I always say, you know, super calculated risk. Um, so we are very just conservative in the business nature. Like we, we, uh, that, that saying my dad always told us when we were young, you know, creep, creep, crawl, walk, run, you know, start very slow, then start to crawl, then start to walk. And then once you know what you're doing, go ahead and run, you know, people love to just jump from standing still to running full force and it can bite you in the butt sometimes. So specific example starting out, um, really, really early on in 2009, this was six months after we just started, um, the US government releases coins, obviously, but occasionally they have special editions or releases or things like that going on in certain cities around the country. So in 2009, they were releasing the new uh, design for the US penny. They had four designs on the back um, to celebrate, to commemorate uh, Lincoln's life. So early years uh, was the first design and then middle years and then the late years. So these four designs were coming out and they were releasing them in Washington, D.C. And oh, we're in Northern Virginia. We're right around the corner from Washington, D.C. So a risk we took when we were young, this is, I'm, you know, 2009, I'm 10 years old. I'm 10 years old. This is happening. We literally skipped school for the day and we go down to DC and we take like all the money we have, which I think it was about a thousand dollars. So we bought, we were able to buy about a thousand dollars worth of these pennies. Like literally we hit the jackpot. We found the place that they were selling them and it was awfully slow. Like there weren't many people buying them um, because they were only selling them in DC. So we were able to buy a ton of them, like a thousand dollars worth. So they were selling them in $25 boxes, boxes of pennies with 50 rolls in them. Uh, 50 cents a roll equals $25. So these $25 boxes, it just so happens the, this release was extremely rare and uh, uh, the release number four 
and we sold those $25 boxes for as much as six to $800 at times. So we were making a crazy, crazy, crazy return. I mean, some of the rolls themselves, like the 50 cent rolls, some, uh, some rolls we had actually signed by the designer of the, the stamp, long story, but some of these rolls we were selling for nearly $100 each and we were in them 50 cents. So like that was a risk, took off school, we spent our $1,000 on pennies, but then again, it's calculated at the same time because we bought them for, for face value. Like you can't lose. You can always just go turn them back into the bank and get what you paid. So we bought them for face value. Um, so there was very little risk in that side, but the whole, uh, just the whole production of what we were doing there um, was a risk. And it took a lot of time, but it paid off big. We made whatever it was, 20,000 bucks in a few days off our $1,000. That is a crazy return on your investment, especially only 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that, was, that was a much needed deal to kind of propel us and say, okay, this is possible. Like, let's keep doing this. So um, I'm so happy that all worked out, but it was a lot of work. It was a team effort there. You know, dad, mom driving us down to DC, you know, writing us a letter that, Oh, we can't go to school and yeah, cause business. <laughs> so um, a little bit of a risk and there's one that paid off and risks that haven't really paid off very small. Like I, I, can't even give you a great example just because we're so conservative and we don't take huge risks. I mean, here and there, there's going to be a tiny loss. If you don't have any, if you don't have losses here and there, very small ones, then maybe you're not uh, putting yourself out there enough and taking enough risks. Um, so there's a couple. Exactly. And uh, I want to segue a little bit to more towards the YouTube side of this business. So you have a very successful page now, and I know it's a little bit late in the game, but what advice would you offer to anyone looking to start a YouTube channel at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a good thing to ask because, you know, so many people are like, hey, I want to do that. And that, that's really cool. And I think because YouTube is becoming super popular in the grand scheme of things, we are, we, in the grand scheme of things, we are still very early. And that's important to know. YouTube's still, I mean, it's not even that old, uh, 15 years old. And uh, so we're, in, we're all in it early, but there are consistently channels being started every single day and it's becoming a little bit crowded. So in the automotive space, there wasn't a whole lot of people five years ago. And then, you know, when we started and now in the past few years, there've been a lot of new channels come up. So my tips and tricks for getting going on YouTube is to be, in, be original in some way and stand out. Among thousands of channels out there in your niche, uh, you're gonna have to stand out in some way. So in our case with cars, we were teenagers with crazy cars, exotics. That alone is going to make you stand out and make people go, wait, what? And like spread really quick. So that was our thing that made us stand out. And aside from that, of course, you got to pick your niche, um, something that you love doing and it doesn't feel like work. Same with starting a business. You want to find your passion and you don't want it to feel like work when you're working really hard. So with YouTube, it's the same way. If I was making just like, cat videos because cat videos make me a lot of money. But if I don't have a huge passion for cats, then it's not going to make sense in the end. But since we had a huge passion for cars, it made, made it really easy to start a YouTube channel and eat dirt for the first three months when you made nothing, literally nothing. That's important to know. Don't do YouTube for the money, do it for the fun, the connections, whatever. We literally made nothing the first four or five, six months. So, um, but again, it was fun to us because it was passion of ours. So it all made sense. So, that's huge. Be unique, be different, do something you love and don't expect to make money in the beginning. I appreciate the insight. Um, how often should people be posting videos? Oh, good question. Good question. So the sweet spot, which we're in right now because we're really exploding right now, the past couple weeks have been crazy. About two, about two times a week is ideal. 
or more. Every other day would be ideal, but I have found with our uh, kind of channels, two times a week is ideal. So uh, at times we got really behind because we have a business to run and YouTube sometimes isn't our first priority. Well, it's really not. Business is our first priority to be able to buy the cars to make the YouTube channel stay afloat and everything. So uh, we got behind at times, posting like once every couple weeks, and that really started to hurt us in the YouTube algorithm. They prefer people who post more often, once, once or twice, you know, once, once, twice, three times a week um, would be ideal. So, I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to segue one more time, just a little bit towards the more of the stress side of this, because I know that when you're dealing with business like this, there's bound to be stress. So I was just wondering um, how you cope with it, and if you can offer some actionable steps to the audience for how they cope with their stress too. Yeah. It, it, it entrepreneurship running business is always going to be super stressful, but the things that will help the most is once again, going back to that. If you love what you're doing, it's not going to feel like work. And I love what I do. I love being able to hold old coins and bills and all this old stuff. And I, it's a huge passion of mine. So that keeps some stress off when you have a hundred orders to ship out every day. When you got people who are like, where's my order? When you got to respond to customer service and wear all these hats and do all these different things does become really stressful. But at the end of the day, when, it, when you're doing something and, and at, yeah, especially at the end of the day, when you're making a difference and you're doing something for the greater good and it feels rewarding on the inside doing what you're doing, then it'll be a lot easier. But uh, like with YouTube, keeping up with an upload schedule and filming videos and editing and posting things on time is so stressful. And especially with the algorithm, if you don't post something at a certain time of the day, it'll absolutely flop. And that's like, Oh, you feel bad about it. And, um, it, it, it's tough, but at the end of the day, just love what you're doing, stand behind it. And, uh, that'll help keep some stress away. And if you are super stressed about something, and it's like, especially people get stressed out about working their nine to five at their job that they hate all the time. Well, it's about time to pivot out of that job. If it, you know, freaks you out every day and stresses you out. And, uh, so I think in entrepreneurship in general, you're going to be less stressed than some nine to five jobs. Some, um, I, I but in general entrepreneurship it is going to be stressful, but there you go. Do something I, you love and it'll help keep it down. I think it's so important for people to remember also that they can pivot. Like you mentioned, like so many people feel trapped in what they're doing, but like if they just turn around, they could go this way and everything else would just, you know, figure right. itself out. Right. And it's, it, it's sometimes hard to make that transition. I mean, if you're comfortable, it's so easy to stay where you're at and just like, mm, I don't love my job. I don't like a lot of things in life. I want to do all these things. Sometimes it's hard to start making that transition. It's really hard. But for us, it was like, uh, uh, just, we manifested those cars every single day we had to have, and we would do whatever it takes. We would start our business as so young because we wanted that lifestyle. So if you want it bad enough, then you have to go out and get it. And there's a, there's a reason 99% of people don't, they just stay in their comfy life. Uh, you know, it's comfortable, but it's something that's not rewarding at the end of the day. So, um, you do have to begin that transition and uh, with all the information out there, with all the podcasts you can listen to, to get the hit the ground running with all the YouTube videos you can watch all the free information out there. It's easier now than ever to get going in your own business or entrepreneurship with all the different things you can do. And uh, once you get there, it's really rewarding at the end of the day. That reminds me of an old quote. Um, the most rewarding things in life come from outside the comfort zone. And I think that a lot of people seem to forget that if you take a step outside of what you're used to doing, what you're comfortable doing, then that is where you can truly change and adapt and start to grow as a person and as a business person. Yep. Yep. 100%. The example of us moving life cross country, that was scary. Like that was a big step. That was something we weren't 
I wasn't comfortable like taking everything you've ever known in one area of the country and shifting it all cross country. That was so stressful. But now that I'm here, I can say it's been so rewarding having our new office space to be able to work on all of our stuff is awesome. And just, just having a lot better setup. Life has been better. Business has been more efficient. Our time's been more efficient and uh, you know, no turning back, no, no regrets. It's all been awesome. So when did you move out here and what made you move out there? Yeah. So it's almost been a year now. It was in like late November we moved. Um, uh, quite a few reasons. Taxes and just business opportunity are really good in Arizona. That's, that's for starters. It's a, it's one of the best place. I mean, there's all these articles like happiest place to live, best place to start a business, all these cities in Arizona. So that's for sure. Um, uh, love the weather out here. Cars, you can do stuff with cars 365 days a year. That's huge for the YouTube channel because in Virginia, when it started snowing for three months, it's really difficult to make content. So you have that gap and then the algorithm starts to kill you on YouTube and then you, you can't keep up, you're behind. Um, that's another reason. So, And then we also have a lot of family here. That's cool. We actually have a lot of family, cousins, all that kind of thing are out here. And um, yeah, was, we're about to do for a reset and oh, also real estate and all this stuff is way cheaper out here. Our warehouse costs a third of what we were paying outside of DC. So really everything is better out here. Everything's more favorable. Love it. Love it. Anyone out there wants to move to Arizona? Come here. It's a great place. How old were you when you made the move? Uh, so I, yeah, 19. Yeah, 19. So that was a full send, but came out here with my brothers and have two brothers. Everyone knows Christian from the channel, but my third one, he doesn't really care about the YouTube stuff. He just works on the business with us and is always behind the scenes working, which is awesome. But, uh, and then also moved out here with Kieran, Casey, you know, all my friends. And, uh, it was, a we all did a full send. All the guys from the East coast just came out here and it's been good. People say, why don't you go to California? And well, I don't know. California doesn't feel like home. Taxes are way too high. Traffic is insane. Um, and just the light, the people out there sometimes just a little, a uh, little different. I don't know. Everyone here in Arizona is super nice and entrepreneurship is definitely alive and well out here. Well, that's great. You know, I'm glad you made that move. I'm glad it's working out well for you. Before I forget, where can people find you online? Obviously you have the YouTube channel, but where else can they reach out to you at? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. So the YouTube channel will be the biggest, JR Garage, but we also have JR Business and JR Aviation, our two new channel, two fairly new channels. Um, and then Instagram is a good one. Uh, at JR Garage. Pretty good with DMs most of the time, but when you have 4,000 people asking to win your Porsche that you're giving away within a couple weeks, it's been crazy. But um, yeah, Instagram, YouTube, those are our two main uh, social media platforms. Sweet. And then I've got one last question, but first a little bit of background. So when you die, the only thing that matters is the difference that you made and the impact that you had. So with that being said, what do you want your difference to have been and what impact do you want to have had? Oh man, deep, but very applicable. And I resonate with that well, because I remember one time, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on a podcast, but I was like 13, 14 years old, something like that. Uh, we were at a pizza buffet, CeCe's pizza, $5 eating all the pizza we can have. And I asked my dad, I'm like, these are the exact words. I'm like, dad, like, what is the point of living if you're not going to be remembered? Literally that, that exact quote. And he's like, holy crap. He's <laughs> got deep real quick. Um, but like, that's so true. Like 7 billion people out here in, in the world and 99.99999% of them just blend in with everyone else. After they die, no one's going to, okay, they're going to remember them for a little bit, but a couple generations later, people may not even know who they were. And that just scares me. That's one of the biggest motivators for us. Like cool cars, we wanted cars, but like 
legacy and lasting impact is probably the biggest one. I act like cars is the biggest one. No, cars is just a bonus. They really keep us going, but like legacy impact recognition, like I don't want to just fall away in the distance. You know, I, I want to have that ability to, to, to impact others. And that's what, that's the main reason for starting the YouTube channel. Yes, to share our passion, but to motivate and inspire others and just create that lasting legacy in a positive way. You'll notice everything we do is positive. We're never hating on anyone, never negativity. Like, nope, that's not in our makeup. Everything's good vibes only. Um, so, so that's the real reason starting the YouTube channel there. But, um, yeah, I, I think just doing good, being a good person, not screwing people over. Your reputation is so important in today's day and age, especially when things can be spread like that. Um, you'd hate to tarnish your reputation. So keeping that up as well as just inspiring others, doing good things, keeping up with everyone. Uh, those are the things that drive me for sure, that uh, lasting legacy. And we're getting there. You know, we still got a lot of ways to go and hopefully a lot of years left to keep uh, the good energy up and, and keep inspiring people. So. That's huge. I know you share the same same belief, and um, uh, a lot of people in our you know friend group. It's 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 big. So.